Welcome to the second episode of You're Totally Awesome. Uh, we're joined here today by artist, uh, scientist, illustrator, um, and author of this book, uh, Zoostalgia. 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 Uh, Mondra Singh. Uh, welcome to the show, Mondra. Uh, thanks for having me, Aaron. Thanks for joining us. Um, so you, you have this book, Zoostalgia, um, and it's, it's incredible. There's some incredible art, art and descriptions in here. Do you want to just describe it to us a little bit? The book? Yeah. Just the idea behind it and everything. Um, okay, so like, kind of recently, geologically recently, um, you know, in the last 10,000 years, kind of ranging from like 2,000 years ago to like 50,000 years, like these really awesome, like huge animals have gone extinct around the world. And um, like something I used to frame the time timeline a lot is like, so if we're walking through history and Jesus was like a foot ago, and wine was two feet ago, and the dinosaurs were six miles ago, okay, so you have an idea of what's yeah. going on. These animals were like five feet ago. That's how recently they were on this earth. And, and they're just like absurd kind of things, like huge sloths, like dwarf hippos, woolly rhinos, just like kind of fantastical creatures, but they like lived on this earth and they have like observable effects on our ecosystems and like they're they're kind of woven into into different people's histories and cultures and like there's a definite presence of them and, and it's like really neat that like they existed but but like we have so little like knowledge and relationship right. with them. So the book is kind of like you know, it's kind of to like introduce people to them to like celebrate their existence also, you know? So are these these were post dinosaurs? Yeah, no, yeah. Absolutely. Drastically post-dinosaurs. Wow, okay. Dinosaurs are six miles, and these are five feet. That's such a beautiful illustration, a beautiful image, I think. Yeah. Metaphor. I have to ask them, how did you learn about these, these, these mammals? Um, well, like... I mean, the better question is, how do you get interested in this? Because it seems like it's so obscure. I've never seen some of these animals. <coughs> There's, like, woolly mammoths and, and birds and... Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's like a combination of things. Like, you know, when I was younger, I was like really into animals, and, and like when you find out about something like a giant, like a giant sloth or a saber-toothed tiger, like saber-toothed tigers are in this category, then you're like, whoa, that's like really neat. But I didn't realize the recency of it until college, actually. Um, you know, I took like North American environmental history and um, ecology, conservation bio, and like you see these animals coming up over and over, like they're they're so such an important um, kind of aspect of the faunal assemblage, just like the ecosystem and the world, and and they're really important. But I feel like a lot of people don't know about them, and they're like, if you know about them, it, I can't like you can't help but just be astounded. Yeah, they just blow your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so crazy. Like the Moas 500 years ago, 500 years ago? It's recent. Dwarf mammoths, dwarf mammoths. Mammoths like, I don't know, actually, I'm not really sure. Give me a thought. Is that the image that's in your head? Like, yeah. Um, 1300 BC. Jeez. 1300, the, the Egyptians are building uh, pyramids, and they're like, Little little mammoths strolling around the ark. God, that just recreates the entire scene. Isn't that so crazy? Yeah, it is. They're like plants right now that are that are like slowly going extinct. That that you know have can their fruit can be spread because they rely on these creatures. Like oh these creatures gosh. are so like importantly intertwined into the world we live in. Have, like, have you done any other work besides you know, obviously learning about it and writing about it? I mean, have you? 
is this a source of research here at Brown? Um, well, I don't know if there's like really anyone doing specific research into this. Like, there's a professor in EDB, Christine Janis. What does EDB stand for? Uh, Ecology and Evolutionary Bio. Oh, yeah, right. um, I just realized that I've been like ignoring Ken. That's okay. But, <laughs> um, but she does stuff on like extinct mammalian herbivores in North America. Um, dove sacks. I don't even know if he really would like do anything. I guess they're not really in like the research kind of agenda at Brown. Sure. But is that something that you you want to do? Is this like the is this your your thing? Is it, you... mm, I don't know. Well, I definitely want to study evolutionary bio. Okay. Um, on the on the animal side, it sounds. Yeah, like yeah, so, okay. yeah. Definitely animal like animals, side. animal behavior. Right. Um, <clears throat> and like. Within animals, I'm really into like sociality, like how do societies, how does cooperation, how does like collective behavior evolve? Um, but I'm also really into like how natural selection and like how niches, like how really kind of odd things evolve and, and how that ends up, sure. and just like how natural selection. These are just like big questions that that I just feel like it would be cool to attack. That you know that I think other naturalists and evolutionary biologists have like had the chance to approach, and I, I just think it would be so exciting to like hit those kinds of questions. Sure. And I just think it's like kind of important to have an integrative approach to evolutionary bio, like, you know, really allow yourself to be into animal behavior, but also, and I understand it's like kind of restricted, like I'm saying it's a, an integrative approach, but it's actually so like kind of small, but like, um, allow yourself to be taken with like cooperation, but also like Pleistocene megafauna, and you know, I feel like, the biggest insights come from like from a mind that's kind of trained in a lot of different things, sure. and, and I think your own passions are are kind of like the best vehicle for yeah. letting you visit a lot of things. That's absolutely true. Yeah, like some I was talking to someone recently. Like I always use this as an example, but like Darwin and Wallace um, both kind of realized natural selection after reading Malthusian. Malthusian. I don't know. I don't know how you pronounce that. Yeah, Mal Malthus, Malthus. Yeah. And that's like, that just shows like how rewarding kind of like letting, letting, you know, you, your natural kind of stumbling around in knowledge and information, like how insightful that can be. Yeah. Like the dude, William Herschel, the dude who discovered Uranus, like during the day was a composer. He would, he would write, write these symphonies and I don't know, I don't know if he was very good. But it's kind of like the, the, Renaissance, I believe, when Da Vinci, he was just doing everything. He wasn't yeah, just a scientist, yeah. he was, you know, a, a poet, I guess, or he, or he was a writer, and all these other components as well. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. That, uh, I know there's a word for that. I think it's like medieval humanism or something. But, it, but it's just this idea that, like, um, that, like, the individual is something to celebrate and kind of, like, boundless in its potential. Yeah. And, like, you can totally, like, respect that idea and, like, let yourself flourish and blossom in so many ways. But also it's like, you know, you grow up as a child and you, like, get into different things and yeah. you, like, develop many passions. Yeah. And, like, I feel like a really rewarding, kind of satisfying, content kind of life is just, like, respecting those passions and, like, you know, I feel like the idea of, like, oh, God, this is, I feel like this is kind of, like, new wave or a little naive in, in how I'm saying it. But the idea of a career is, like, 
We're kind of deleterious. So we're at Brown, so okay, <laughs> this is this is right right in line. This is right in line. So post career. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. Um, no, that's I mean when it seems more that, that that your passion really drove you to this, to this book. Right? I yeah. Mean, it's just a matter of something you really enjoyed when you were little. You enjoy the animal. Correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. You, it seems like you really enjoy the animals, and this is something that you came into Brown and already kind of passionate about, and yeah. it just fully yeah. developed itself here at Brown. Right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like Brown kind of. I don't want to like toot Brown's horn here. Listen, no, it's, it's. But like, it's Brown honest. is like totally great at fostering that kind of thing. Like, you come here. Um, Again, the Brown Admissions Office. If you're listening, oh, yeah. if you need someone, Monvier will be your, your number one salesman. Not even joking. So. <laughs> I keep forgetting the cameras. There. It's, it's there. It's there. No. Um, it's nice to see the cameras. <laughs> but this is this is so cool. So tell me about maybe. I mean, growing up, tell me about some of the the related <coughs> stuff that you were interested. In. Was it you know were they the saber tooth? Because honestly, the first time I heard of saber tooth was from the probably Power Rangers. Oh man! Oh uh, yes, I remember that Power Rangers. I was so into yeah. that Power Rangers. They also had a woolly man. Yes, that Power but that means they were confused, right? Because they also had T Rexes and everything. Yeah, they didn't mix at all. They confused, dude. Right. So I don't know. So that probably wasn't the source of your interest in uh, in these animals. Right? Oh man, I actually have not thought about it. But that like may have totally prepared me because <laughs> I remember going to the dentist. So and the, dentist the dentist was like, "Yeah, you can have like any sticker you want." And I was like, do you have the Power Rangers stickers? Like, do you have the... You and I have the same thing? dentistry experience. Where did your dude have stickers, too? Yeah, stickers, and I love the Power Rangers. So yeah, dude, yeah, it was good times. But um, the, it, it must have developed a little bit later, right? The idea of saber tooths and woolly mammoths, and I don't know who else you got in here. You got a... You got short-faced bears. Short-faced bears. Short-faced bear. The longhorn bison. <laughs> and that's pretty incredible. It's really so this is absolutely incredible. You draw the scale and everything. And this is your second book, right? Yeah, yeah. Your first book was called The Evolutionist Doodle Book. Okay. And what was that? What was that about? Um that's like an interesting little project. Uh like you open it up and there's a there's like a doodle, like a drawing and an accompanying idea in evolution. So it could be like I sometimes I think it's like kind of inaccessible. Like you open it up, you go, I don't understand how these connect. Oh well, well Make it accessible for us. Explain it a little bit. Okay. Well... Oh, give us an example, perhaps. Okay. Well, there's, like, the one that everyone really gets, and they're like, oh, God, this is, like, really funny. It's, like, stress, which isn't even a very evolutionary biology, like, kind of idea. But it's, like, stress, you know, uh, an organism's inability to, like, cope with its environment. And there's, a like, a slug chugging along, and a, and a piece of, like, a salt running after it, like, oh. I would imagine you, uh... Your voice, that voice you just put on every time I, I get stressed out. <laughs> yeah. And that image of a slug. That, and so, you, how did that idea come up to be? How did that project... How, and this project as well, like, how did you... How did the projects come up to How be? did you decide to do a book? Because, you know, sometimes, I think, especially in college, a lot of times, passion manifests itself through, I mean, jobs sometimes, or um, doing research, especially on the science end. But you took a different route with science. You decided to illustrate a book. Yeah. Uh, it's like a combination of things. Um, one of them is I read this book called The Age of Wonder by Richard Holmes, and it's about science and the romantic generation. And that's really where I got into like um, letting your passions kind of lead you where you want to go. That's where I read about William Herschel, the composer who discovered Uranus. <laughs> Uranus. 
Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I just want to cut that out. <laughs> I always just think it's goofy when people are like, yes, you're the... Um, well, you're saying it. I know. Yeah. That's because I don't want to... <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. The camera. Yeah. Um, the world's watching. But, oh yeah, but like a lot of people in that book kind of respected their passions. Right. Like, you know, they didn't really live by these lines of a job and like they would like write poetry and like look at plants and et cetera, et cetera. But I think that kind of came up a lot as people would just like make books. They'd be like... That's interesting. Yeah, and people would like make books It was, it was before they turned 19 or 20. And I was like... I never even thought about that. Like that seems kind of accessible as an option. Then I went to this store in New York called Printed Matter that sells artist books, and I was like cruising around. Not to think like Printed Matter doesn't have good books. It's like a sweet book place. <laughs> Tell me the um, But I was like cruising around, and I was like, these books are all right. Like I can like, do it better. Yeah, I'm not like, like, seeing. No, you what can't. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> it takes that to to kind of. Get started on something like this. Yeah. So yeah. that was the start of it. Yeah. You cruising around, you found you could perhaps put out a better product than some of the books that were out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And, and then you immediately went to the idea of animals, obviously, right? Because that, yeah. that is your passion. And evolution, yeah. Well, let's bring this back real quick. Do you think, maybe in your frame of mind, it, is it. Because the reason I think people don't pursue their passions is because <coughs> it's. You got passions on one end, you got you got practicality on the other end. Yeah. This is where moms, dads, I love you, my mom, I love you, and I know you want the best for me for me to pursue my passion. But again, practicality kind of sits on one side, and, and passions is on one side and the other side. Yeah. Do you see yourself marrying those two in this field? I see myself marrying yes. the pastor. <laughs> yes. Is that yes. what they uh, the pastor? Yes. Right. Um Oh, I mean, are, do you, are you going to go look for a more practical job and do this as kind of a hobby? Because I think a lot of people leave around thinking, oh, I love art. I'm going to do art on the side, and I'll just get a real job. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you have one life, and, like, why not do in that life what you think is, like, the coolest thing a person can do? And, I, you know, God, I am a little, like, not conceited, but like I'm confident in my abilities, and I'm like sure. You go through that bookstore thinking, "Oh, that's crap." That's no, crap. oh my that's crap. crap. Yeah, I yeah. come out of this Whatever. Yeah, pretty much. But, um, but very passionate. Very passionate. <laughs> um, but no, but my parents are like really supportive, and um, like they've always been just like down with you know me pursuing animals. Like my whole family. It was my my great uncle who like would give me books on the Ice Age and big, like, tomes on animals when I was, like, a little kid. And, and you know, it, it just seems like a... I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. And, like... And by anything else, you mean besides... I mean, is it besides writing, or besides drawing, besides pursuing evolutionary biology in some form in that way? Yeah, it just... This, this honestly just seems like the most practical. Like, this seems wow. like the only way that... Like, the best way that will sustain me. No, maybe not the best way. Like, I'm sure I can do other stuff. But, but just some, like, personal contentment. And I'm sure, like, you know, I'm going to go into academia and, like, maybe teach or be a professor or something. Like, I feel like I'll be able to sustain a family and, like, you know, raise little kids. A kid. Do you, you want kids? Do you want little kids around? 
Yeah. That's a big question. That's a, no, I do. I'm marking one part of that question, right? Yeah, maybe one or two, okay. or maybe I'll adopt. Maybe these are these are tough questions. I feel bad now. No, we don't have to go into the philosophy of marriage and and, uh, and childhood and, and having kids. But no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. That it's it's interesting because you you have such confidence that this this passion will lead you to contentment, which is seems to be the premium over a stable lifestyle or a practical job. Etc. Yeah. I like I, you know I did grow up, or kind of like with this value that like a simple life is you know in a lot of ways like very rewarding kind of like you know not not really cluttering it up with a lot of schnaz just like living your life and you know having a family and like, so ideally you would be naked yeah yeah no cars no buildings. I'm very uncomfortable right now. Um, you seem like it. Do you want to delayer a little bit? Is that something I would that, be ecstatic. Because I would join you. Yeah. If, if, well, no, maybe after. Maybe yeah, after. That would be a little much. But, but seriously, so you, it's, too, it's a lot of clutter in, in life, and you kind of just live by this, by this mantra of simplicity. Which is, which is I mean, yeah, I don't know if I live by it. I, I like hope to yeah. integrate it like, to a certain extent. I don't know if I embody simplicity. You hope to embody simplicity. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do think there are, like, some inconsistencies. Like, I'm kind of into, into my personal style, and I feel like that... Damn, you stylish, mom, no, man. Like the shoes. No, oh, no. Um, no, I'm very These sincere. are actually... My dad got these. Uh, I don't think they can, the audience can see, but these are some brown shoes that, uh, that look very stylish. Did you see? I, I was in Scandinavian lit one day, and my... This is really tangential. And my shoelace started, like, fraying up. And I braided it back together. I'm like really proud of it. That's not simple at all. That's pretty complex. Yeah, yeah. So this is where it kind of conflicts. Okay. Well, right. I mean, again, it doesn't have to be the same across all. all yeah. Age, right? yeah. We can be different in certain areas. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Um, awesome. Thanks for thanks for stopping by and chatting up for a little bit thanks with us. Um, and uh, and so yeah, guys, go check out Monbeer's book. This is a uh, again. What's it called? Zoostalgia. Zoostalgia. Right? A play on nostalgia, obviously. <coughs> and um, it's being sold where? Uh, right now it's at Symposium on Thayer okay. and Ada on Westminster. And it's on Amazon as well. And it's, uh, yeah, it's on Amazon. Yeah. It's at Quimby's in Chicago. So if you're in Chicago, if you're in Chicago it's, it's a sweet store. store. Yeah. And, um, and also, you have a, a Tumblr that we can follow as well, or a blog? Oh, yeah, my Tumblr. I update my Tumblr like once a year. But it's pretty beautiful. I checked it out, actually, and uh, he has some pretty cool photos. And what was it again? It's doodlebook.tumblr.com. Great. Okay. senior year. We'll definitely check it out, and we'll check out your book some more. And, uh, and yeah, this, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for having me.